Cincinnati. That's the end of this week's podcast. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> uh, joining me on this very first edition of the podcast with no name is Nathan Palmer, who you just heard there. Hello, Nathan. How are you doing, guys? I'm absolutely buzzing for you UK Bengals fans to listen to this. If it's on your commute to work or if you've just got nothing better to do, then thank you for tuning in. And uh, thanks to the modern, uh, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, 250 miles away up the track in Manchester is Jamie Rowe. Good evening, Jamie. Good evening uh gentlemen <laughs> so i'm um, leaving it at that yes yeah thanks for that jamie uh, i think we'll wrap that up right now right um now we have to come up with a name really i'm going to put it out there because we can't have an you look at around all the kind of british fan groups uh, around and they they've all got snappy names to their podcast so we need one It'd be cringy though do you think so? Yeah, like bird, I've got that I've got bird gang one and I, I think let the name come to us. Let the name Well, I was going to open it out to uh thousands and millions of followers. <laughs> How uh, many followers have we got now? We've got over 2,500. I think it's basically family members and paid uh, stuff, but you know, they they are <laughs> 2,500. Um so any ideas off the top of your head really? I've got I've got podcasts. No, no, fuck that. Oh, okay, that's, that'll be a no then. Um, kitten cast. Oh, stop. It sounds like Babe Station. <laughs> you wish. Um, tiger Talk. No. No, no, no. Nothing of like that. Tony the Tiger. Um, what about you, Jamie? Anything to to go on that a bit better? Obviously, they were they were quality, but obviously... <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, what do you reckon? Well, I... I'm always uh, going back to to my sign at Wembley. And God save the green. I, I I I think that works perfectly for for us at the moment. But if green gets AJ traded, gets pissed off and, and we have to trade them away. Yeah. <laughs> well, we just have to like make sure they get a player that rhymes with Queen, really. Um, yeah. Green. Tweet us your suggestions. We'd love to hear them. Yes, and they're obviously going to be miles better than the ones that I suggested. Now, um, we've got to talk about... Please tell me Kitten Talk was a joke. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah. <laughs> Good, I was going to say. <laughs> and I'm surprised that uh, only you could come up with Babe Station. I think you're the only person that around here that kind of stays up all night and watches oh, that. Oh, right? mate, here we go. <laughs> now, we have got a lot to talk about. As I said earlier, we didn't start this at the start of the season so we can't really talk about the draft we can't talk about the terrible start but what we can talk about is absolutely nothing absolutely nothing uh, about what we have for tea basically yeah. if, if anybody's up for that um but yeah let's talk about the brain the browns game real quick because i mean every game pretty much now is a must win game for the bengals right i think we've got to get to nine and seven and that would require us, I think, to go five and one. Do you think we're good enough to do that? No. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, again, good night. <laughs> Thanks a lot. To be honest, like, for, the, for the Bengals, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking that win against Cleveland, against, the Denver win to me was a, a big win. It was a big win to the point where you thought, okay, like we have a chance. The Cleveland win... To me, it's like an exhibition game yeah. where you just have to get it on the ball. You know, the Browns have won one game in 25. It's not anything to talk about. But this game against Pittsburgh is absolutely pivotal. There's no other way to describe it. It's the biggest game we've had in a long time. If we win that game, we're in the mix. We're seriously in the mix and then we start talking. But if we lose that game, then it's done. And, you know, whatever hope we had is over. So... To me, that Monday night game is absolutely everything 
in one package. No, I agree. Um, but we'll come on to the Pittsburgh game because uh, obviously that raises memories, crushing memories of 2015. Um, what about you, Jamie? What did you take from that uh, Browns game on Sunday? Well, there's, there's kind of the massive caveat is the ease of the Browns. Um, you're kind of expecting to beat them every time you go out and, and, and go against them. Everyone did the jobs pretty well. There wasn't really anybody who, who particularly did badly. I'm thinking maybe Nick Vigil looked a bit um, off the pace, but it was by and large a, a very professional performance. Yeah, and what was interesting in the Browns game, Nathan's right. I mean, you can only do what you can, you can only beat who's in front of you, right? And and they did. I mean, there was a moment when if Corey Coleman hadn't dropped that touchdown and their dude yeah. hadn't missed the, 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 the field goal, the Browns would have been like, 23 all and we we did make kind of hard work of it a little bit thing is with the browns though if you look at the, you look at the games they've played they've been in those games i mean you know i mean people were quoting me all the sixth rank rushing defense and stuff like that for them it's more errors i mean they were in the game against the jags last week who obliterated us so i i think we gave a very very professional performance against the the um the browns we did the job but what i don't want people to get carried away with is stats I don't want people talking about Mixon's career game against the Browns at home, you know, against the beaten up, that, that Ogbo is out for them. I don't want there being any sense of getting carried away. That offense is still bad. The offensive line is still bad. And if they want to produce anything, turn up on Monday night against Pittsburgh and then we'll talk about improvement. But to me, you don't play the worst team in the league, the worst team potentially ever in the NFL with an injury or two, at home, and expect to gain any sort of credibility. It's not how it works. I like it when you get harsh and fair, Nathan. <laughs> what about you, Jamie? Because the, the, the fact is that Mixon did have a fantastic day. The offensive line did play better. Yes, it was a caveat against the Brown. Nathan's shaking his head at me furiously. I, I'm, not, I'm not on the Mixon boat yet. Are you not? Um, Absolutely not. All right, Jamie, I'll come to you in a sec, because why are you not on the Mixon boat yet? He's... Average yards per carry through how many games have we played now? We're through sorry, well, eleven games. We're now. through eleven games. His average yards per carry, I believe, is three point two yards. It was two point nine to three coming in. He's a second round pick, which is a big and the only reason he was a second round pick, quote quote, is the character issues. So he was a first round pick on talent. You take a running back in the first round, which is a position that's massively devalued over the last couple of years. You invest that pick in someone with that talent, and I don't care what line you're behind. You don't average two point nine yards. He, he's I like his where, where everyone talks about this in the games. He's got patient cuts, and he'll like take a bit of time and he'll have a look. To me, he doesn't break enough tackles. His speed's good, but he's not faster than Giovanni Bernard. I just haven't seen anything, and I'm not sure anyone can say apart from the hype that would lead me to believe through 11 games that this guy is some sort of stud. And, okay, maybe you shouldn't say this, but the stuff off the field also makes it more difficult for me to get on board with him as being like a superstar. I want him to be good. I want the Bengals to be good. But to me, I'm not on... Why why would... Tell me why I would be on the boat. What's got me on the boat? Yeah, I think think he's shown flashes of talent. What about you, Jamie? What, What do you see in Mixon? And especially... Uh, you, you take a good long look at the offensive line. What did you see with the offensive line this this past Sunday? Well, I mean, this past Sunday they, they did well again, but it was against the Browns. Um, up until that game, 
Mixon's problem is is that he seems to be an outside the tackles runner. We can't run outside the tackles because we don't have um, run blocking that's athletic enough to to get out there and um, actually do a half decent job. So every time he gets the ball on a on a on a stretch handoff, he's got three guys in his face to start with. It he's kind of been set up to fail in the same way that Dalton's been set up to fail. Um, every time he gets the ball, he's got people in his face. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point. You look at some of the. I looked at some um, graphic today on the Twitter dot com, and um, on it, the Twitter on the Twitter dot com, <laughs> as I like to call it. Um, well, I was just sending a fax and paging someone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, a, a lot of the graphics earlier on in the season, he was tending to run, always bouncing outside, and that, maybe that's because he didn't trust his interior lineman. Uh, but over the past couple of weeks, he seems to be going through the tackles, being a lot more kind of on point in terms of sticking to that. That says to me, perhaps he was freelancing a little bit. Maybe he was doing like a, an Ocho Cinco, where he's kind of freelancing. Roots. I'm British, so I'm going to say roots. I still, you know, when you hear like Americans say routes, right? Routes. Routes. I still can't say that because it just no, feels. No, yeah, I can't say that. Really I can say defense. Defense, yeah. And That's I, I can get. Sorry, the beers open. I can. Um, I can say defense, but routes is another one entirely. Like that's not right. I know. It just feels really wrong for a British person yeah. to be saying routes, don't you? What do you say, routes, Jamie? I mean, what's what's the famous? Uh, what's the most famous road in America? Well, exactly. I like that. I like that. To me, like you're talking about Mixon. <laughs> yes. Tell me a Mixon good game apart from that Browns game at home. Tell me what has impressed. I'm asking you both this. What has Mixon done through 10 games? Exclude the, the Browns game didn't happen. What's he done to make you think, apart from his college days, that he's a good running back? Jamie, do you want to go for that? Well, I, I, I went to the Packers game earlier in the season he was good in that it, it, again it was the patient running it was he seems to have good vision the problem is when he's gets the ball he's immediately hit by by a tackle i think there was a stat going around i don't like talking about stats at all um but there's a stat going around saying that he had the highest uh, number of yards after contact of any running back so that's something good to look at um i think he gets gets stuff done yeah, we're just pulling up some of Mixon's stats here. Again, he was he was averaging five yards a carry against the Browns, which is pretty great. But they're four point one against the Titans. That's pretty good. Um, On nine carries, I mean, in his season, you got four hundred eighty yards, three point two yards average, four touchdowns. I, I just not. I I'm not feeling it. I'm not, and it's difficult behind this line. I I really don't want to throw Mixon under the bus. Like I'm absolutely giving him every benefit of the doubt. This offensive line might be the worst we've ever had. Yeah, and that is going to be the productivity of a running back. So I don't want to kill him because Jeremy Hill didn't look good before he went he went down, and Giovanni Bernard has looked okay at best in patches. So. I don't want to throw him under the bus, but I also don't think that he, in my mind, is running to the point of like killing it, but with a bad offensive line. He's doing everything in his power to make it better. To me, it's just Jeremy Hill last year. Averages three and pedestrian three and a half, gets the goal line carries, gets some touchdowns, gets a few plaudits. I've not seen any difference. I, I think that he does show... He, I think he's potentially a lot more dynamic than Jeremy Hill. I've seen that in terms of... Um, 
you know, the way he cuts back. There was a great cutback when he scored. I think it was against the Titans, a fantastic cutback for the touchdown. Yeah. Um, and he he has made a few players miss uh, in open field once he gets when he once he gets into that second level. So I think, and, and we saw a bit more of that against Cleveland. And that's that's the problem with the Bengals this year, isn't it? I mean, it's just getting a decent purchase on first down and not leaving an offense that is still struggling a little bit to you know on a long third down because they just can't convert and then it's three and out the defense are back on again and they're knackered and yeah that's and true. so on and that's so forth point. you know the thing is i mean against the jags chris ivory is the third well the second slash third string running back in jacksonville that was one of the best running back performances i've witnessed he was running angry. He looked like he he looked like a big guy that was running people over, and that's what I want to see out of someone like Mixon. You maybe you get hit at the line, but maybe you get a yard out of it. And to me, Mixon goes. I mean, he's six one. I think Mixon. Am I right? Is he, he's about six one. He's definitely one one point eight five meters according to the stats. But I don't know what that is in uh, our system. But to me, goes down too easily. Mm. I don't see him knocking people over, and he's. And this is me showing my age. He looks so young. He looks like a little lad out there. And this geezer's supposed to be, you know, he's supposed to be 6'1", 220 Well, he pounds. is. He's only 21 well, of course years old. And yeah. to me, I'm like, well, you're right, son. But he's like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, good luck to him. I hope he does well. I hope he does well. And I, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I mean, I, I was one of those people that did not want Joe Mixon on this no, team. No, neither did I. Neither did I. Absolutely not. Um, but... His talent was unquestionable, and you hope that he will become... I mean, I was reading Andy Benoit on um, Twitter today, and he was saying already he can see that Mixon is top five running back material in the NFL. God, that's a crazy talk to me. Yeah, he's got to back it up. And for once, I I agree with Marvin's handling of Mixon. He's kind of not called him out a little bit, not in a John Ross sort of way. Um, but he's kind of said Joe has to work harder. Yeah, he has to yeah. show. He has to knuckle down. 100%. And that's a typical Marvin thing to say about anything and anyone. But I actually agree with him on. And the other thing, what you mentioned is Giovanni Bernard. I think we're seriously underusing him. I think he's 100%. he's got total X factor. Jamie, summarise us on Mixon. Give us the last word. All right, for Mixon, for me, um, he reminds me of Corey Dillon, uh, giving the ball twenty times in a game. He's going to run maybe 16 of those times for two or three yards and they'll crack off a few big ones. Who doesn't like cracking off a big one now and again? Um, <laughs> right, anyway. Bloody a way to lower the tone there, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well. This is a family show. Now, uh, we've got to talk about the playoff picture. Uh, I know you're both itching to talk about Pittsburgh next week, but, uh, um, but looking at the playoff picture, at the moment... We've got, in the AFC, the pretty woeful AFC, really, apart from Pittsburgh and New England, we've got Tennessee at 7-4, and four, Kansas City, it look as though they're going off a cliff at the moment at 6-5, and five, Jacksonville at 7-4, and four, uh, Baltimore at 6-5, and five, they're the playoff places, and just below them, still alive, uh, is Buffalo at 6-5, and five, and us at 5-6, and six, and the Chargers are starting to pick up some serious momentum at 5-6, and six, and Oakland at 5-6. and six. I don't think you can go the Jets at 4-7, and no. seven, really. No, no, um, no. Do we deserve to be in this mix? I mean, it's been quite... I mean, let, It's been quite a year. It's been quite dramatic at Paul Brown Stadium this year. We played historically bad offence in the franchise. 
We've had uh, an offensive coordinator that's been fired. Uh, we've had two players ejected from two consecutive, two different players ejected in two consecutive. That's me games. and you, and it Paul. Well, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You tried to nick my beer that time, but um, um, but so do we deserve to do it? I mean, that's a daft question. Of course, we have. Uh, a chance and course we deserve to do it if we could you know it's all about winning games and we're not winning them handsomely at the moment we're just about clinging on by our fingertips so um do you think we've got a chance to get through to the playoffs and if so do you think we deserve it we definitely don't deserve it Why? I mean, but, Why? But, but but the nfl's not really about deserving it denver never ever should have won that super bowl ever hmm. They never deserved it. Peyton Manning that year was shot. That you know, to me, it was like I don't think they deserved it. But like, that's my opinion. A lot of people will say, "Yeah, we definitely don't deserve to be in the picture." But if we manage to make the playoffs, then I guess we do deserve because we've made it. But do we deserve to be in the picture now? Like, based on the talent we've got and the decisions we've made, no, we don't. I don't think we'll be there because we've got some hard games. I mean, Pittsburgh at home. That is in the position we're in now, where you've just about established yourself getting back in the picture the last game you want is against the 9-2 and two Pittsburgh Steelers that is the last game you want with the rivalry with the talent that is on that team you want nothing to do with that game you want to play the Lions that's the game you want this week a 6-4 and four team that pl- may be playing above themselves at home coming over from the NFC you take that game you want to play Pittsburgh when you're when you've just won like 3-4 games in a row right and you could afford a loss yeah I mean Pittsburgh are mate like I hate I hate Pittsburgh and Paul said to me before this podcast refrain on the swearing and everything else so I'm going to keep it nice and clean for you all uh oh here it comes I hate Pittsburgh but you respect Pittsburgh yeah I agree I agree with that and they they will come in on Monday and I'll be there at three in the morning feeling dreadful (laughs) and they'll give us the best they've got they won't roll over and it'll be I think I don't think we'll win I hope we win but they'll give it all of us, and I think we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle to go five and one, big time. What about you, Jamie? In my calculations, they can afford. They're five and six. They can afford to lose one more game, uh, and you know, let's face it, Pittsburgh nine and two. They're playing very well. They've got, as, as Nathan said, you can hate them, but you've got to respect them because they got. They do have some fantastic players, oh, yeah. uh, and they're playing very well. So we can really only afford to lose one more game and we've got Minnesota away coming up that's going to be really another 9 and 2 team um where do you see us at the moment and do we have a chance this reminds me of, of the 2011 season where kind of the, the team was all over the place it was win one week lose the next week and the table never lies and the table thus far says that we're not in the playoffs we're not a playoff team as it stands if we manage to put some wins together, get back into it, claw our way up, um, maybe that will that will be something that's deserved. But they've got to do something against Pittsburgh, and I'm not seeing it. Um, every time we've beaten Pittsburgh over the last few years, it's always been on the back of someone doing something brilliant, someone making a huge play, um, making a, a big-time um effort when they've done it and they've I don't see it in this team but I hope I'm wrong 
And Perfect's got to stay kind of... Perfect the snake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, let's, let's not go there. I mean, every time Pittsburgh is mentioned now, I just think of that loss in 2015 and my soul is crushed over and over. They just have our number. I don't understand what it is. I remember that that, that Pittsburgh game brings me back dark memories. And one of those dark memories was I was in that bad of a state that me and Paul, I called him up and we were on the phone for an hour at least. Didn't we? And what time both was that? Of them, it was like it was we both about... split up with our partners. It was, know, like, it was like literally I was split up with my girlfriend. I was calling Paul up for advice. We were both in that exact same thing. I think we hour. were on the verge of tears for about an it hour. Was, it, it was, was like... miserable. It was miserable. And I don't think we've ever recovered from that against Pittsburgh. I don't. As, even as a franchise. Mentally. I, yeah, don't, no, I, don't, think so. I don't think we have. And also... Certainly, the team has changed considerably, yeah. um, which is fair enough. That's what the NFL is. There's a big churn of players. Players come, players go, but you have to replace them. Coaches come, coaches go, and I don't think we've replaced them. But we—that's no. a whole another. That's another episode of the yeah, podcast. For isn't sure, it? Yeah, sure. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on. Not you. I'm not touching you, Nathan. Um, <laughs> Flo, we we'll cut that one out. <laughs> <laughs> um, now we're five and six, and I would. I think it's fair to say that most of the Bengals fan base think it's time for Marvin to go at the end of the season. Um, and there, uh, Jamie, you've been involved in a bit, a bit of a ding dong on on Twitter with uh, a guy who's kind of disappointed the fact, or seems to be disappointed. Well, there's a few of them. Yeah, there's a few of them that seem to be disappointed with the fact that the Bengals might scrape to say a 9 and 7, 7 and 9, 8 and 8, that sort of, you know, rank mediocre 500 kind of record which might just save Marvin's job. It might just give him another year and therefore perpetuating all the stuff that we kind of don't like about Marvin. Uh and the inference is that he would rather and I'm Referring to this one specific guy, like Nathan said, there's probably a lot of them there's out there. There's a few of them, yeah. Who would rather see the team lose, or and he even inferred that they would rather try to lose to get a better and higher draft pick than than kind of go out there and win. Now, to me, that's just weird. But do you just want to take up the story, Jamie? What, what you what do you think about that? Keep the gloves uh, well, on, Sam. I mean- I can't, um, I can't understand this mentality at all, and for me, it's a, a big reason why the Bengals are, aren't any better than than they are. Um, you got fans, and I've seen a poll this week with two thirds favouring uh, the Bengals not getting to the playoffs, but getting rid of Lewis over getting to the playoffs and and getting uh, and Lewis staying. And I, I don't understand it. It's so kind of counterproductive, so idiotic. Um, there's a hypocrisy of um, wanting players to give the team 100%, but then you sit in the stands or sit on your, on your sofa at home and you don't. And this is the bit where I turn into Delia Smith. If you bang on us all off <laughs> The Americans won't get that. Are no. uh, you going to bake a cake we'll, or something? We'll keep it in. We'll, we'll see how they deal with it. Um, <laughs> if you bang on all off season about wanting to finally win a playoff game and, and then you turn up your nose at the opportunity to, it's, it's stupid. This is a hard league. There's 32 teams. Usually 
there's only probably about five decent ones and then the rest of them are, are trying to piece stuff together and trying to to get somewhere with a with a massive flaw now if you get to the playoffs you can fluke four wins together and win a super bowl yeah i mean nathan do you want to see your team go out and purposefully lose a football game it's all right i want to start from the back and work in so these the people on twitter that go i want i don't know how that sounds um the people <laughs> the people that <laughs> We'll keep that in. We'll keep that in. We'll keep that in. The people that want us to lose, I get it. I get what you're saying. I, you're saying the only way there's going to be change is if we are that bad that the Brown family say, we have to get rid of Marvin Lewis because it's that bad. And by getting rid of Marvin Lewis, you get a new head coach, and then apparently we start winning. I get the logic, so I don't need that to be explained. What I don't get is that the whole point and being a fan of a sports team is a pleasure-based thing. It's the whole point of it is that you sit there and you want your team to win and you gain pleasure from it. That's how it is. It's not a business thing. It's not something you have to rely upon. It's not a life thing. It's too long-winded to work like that. Marvin Lewis is a human being. He wants his team to win. To me, I couldn't think of anything more depressing and sad to sit there and watch that Denver game and hope Denver win so that maybe in three years we're a good football team. Life's too short. Enjoy American football. It's a good game. It's fun. You, you never know what happens. If you were a Denver fan a couple of years ago with Peyton Manning, you'd never have expected a Super Bowl win. It's a crazy game. Enjoy the game. Don't take it too seriously. Marvin Lewis is cool. I, do I want him to stay? I don't know. I go back and forth every single week. But it, it's just fun. It's a game. We don't need to be, you don't, if, you know, you get hit by a bus tomorrow and you, you're not even, you're, t- you're hoping your own team loses so that maybe in two, three years you have a good draft and this new head coach who's still got the same organisation, he's still got Duke Tobin, he's still got Mike Brown if the geezer's still knocking around. <laughs> you know, like, it's life's too short. Well, that's... It's too short. Um, I don't get it. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I think I think there's a deeper thing here, though, because the NFL is set up the way it is and with draft picks, and obviously the more you lose, the higher you get. I don't need to say that, although I just have. Um, but I don't get that whole thing of wanting your team to lose because there's... Is this a deeper thing here? Is there a difference between American fans' version of winning and British fans' version of winning? Because over here, we... We kind of demand that our team show... You listen to any football phoning on a Saturday night after after the football games, and people, there's not enough passion. All I want is to see my team have a yeah, go. Yeah, I don't yeah, care yeah. if they use. I want yeah, to be entertained. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but with, with American fans, I kind of think that it's win or nothing. Do you know what I mean? There's no real grey area. Jamie, what, what do you think about that? Well, um, I mean, for, for me... American and certainly major American league sports, they're so kind of impersonal um, compared to um, our own football club. So, you know, in in, in an NFL game between plays, you look at the the drum line playing the drums or you look at the cheerleaders uh, doing a thing and there's fight songs and... Sometimes they, I mean, I like them. Uh, they were singing the cheerleading. Uh, like. <laughs> they, they, they were singing "Ring Out the Barrel" at, at, at Green Bay. It was like a big old knees up. Right. Um, but um, I mean, in, in 
if you go into a football ground, it's like being at church. They go through births, deaths, who's having a big birthday, uh, upcoming events. Someone's coming from a long way. They say, oh, look, someone's coming from from Denmark. And it feels a lot more personal. I think people are turned off off sort of showing their own loyalty to the team because the team doesn't really give them anything back. Green Bay are the best for that, though, aren't they? Am I, I know you know more than me, mate, but I've heard Green Bay are one of the best... Um fan base is going for like looking after their own yeah and green bay was was um an excellent place um for football and you can kind of feel the history seeping into everything that they do that everything there seems to have been done as a tradition for 80 straight years and you're just thinking well great um but in other places it feels a little bit more um artificial a little more distant and and that kind of I can see how fan bases come and go more than than the would um, in 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 British sport. I mean, I, I'm I'm a Sheffield United fan. We've had um, in the past three years two good years and a bad year. And in the bad year, the same people were coming every week. I mean, including myself. It's just that we'd stand there and we'd act a bit pissed off. Mm. And and the Bengals are kind of quite. The one thing that gets levelled at the Bengals quite a lot is that they don't really acknowledge... I mean, I know it's a bit different this year, isn't it? Because it's the 50th anniversary. Mm. So we've had all this fantastic stuff coming out. Lots of great interviews with ex-players, like ex-legends. Lots of stuff in the Inquirer that that Jim and Paul have done that is just amazing. Uh, so that and, and you know with the appearances of the legends at halftime and things like that, so they there does seem to be a bit more of an effort. But that's something that's been levelled at the Bengals before that they don't kind of engage with the fans as much. But I mean, who knows? Um, and also, you're right; it's the personal thing. How are you meant to kind of love a team, say in San Diego? And then it gets moved up to LA. Yeah. How are you supposed to love a team like the Raiders if you come from California and then suddenly it gets shifted over to to Vegas? It's, it's, unreal, it's basically about money, isn't it? And I think that's the thing with the NFL. It's it's kind of about money first and foremost, and the loyalty isn't. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. You've got historic teams like Green Bay and uh, and maybe the Chiefs and people like that um, who do that kind of thing, but. I don't know. It, it they don't make it easy. Put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I think the NFL for the whole like Paul makes a great point about moving teams around. It's something that we have no accustomed. That's not even a word, is it? <laughs> we have no accustomed. I'm going to make up a word. Accustomability. <laughs> Bloody hell! So we have none of that in the UK. You, you, Sheffield United will play in Sheffield United in Sheffield United in Sheffield for the next hundred years. Like, that's just how it is, and. I think the idea of moving a team from one place to, the, uh, to another maybe gives that idea of you don't want to be as loyal because you you don't know what you're signing up to. But I think we're getting away from the point. I just think you want your team to win. I mean, yeah. I know in the UK, I think the, the difference, a key point is that in soccer or football, however we want to call it, you can fire a manager after three or four games. It's not uncommon. In the NFL, the lifespan is a lot longer the transitional period is a lot longer. It's especially a lot more if you've got Mike Brown as your owner. Yeah, especially if you have you Mike Brown. You can shit the bed as many times as you like, and I, he's going to do the laundry every time. I wish time, Mike Brown it? was my boss. <laughs> but no, you serious. wouldn't get a raise, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. That's true. But I think that might be a thing. But 
We'll have the Marvin conversation another week so people can tune in for that. Well, there's something to look forward to, isn't it? Um, <laughs> um, Unless he's gone after what, the Pittsburgh game. Right. There's no way. Can you? I mean, if we lose against, I think most people expect us to lose against Pittsburgh. He he's not going to get fired. I mean, he's he's at the end of his contract at the end of the season, so it's likely that they'll come to some amicable agreement. Okay, if he okay. does go. Jamie, you first. Next season, oh, Marvin Lewis. What's he doing? September the ninth, or whenever our first game would be. Who's our head coach? What's Marvin Lewis doing? All right, well, Marvin Lewis is on this podcast. He's what? And, um, <laughs> He's in Paul's flat um, in Kentish Town with us. That's it. We 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 got to we got to keep him safe. We got to keep him fine because he can get himself in trouble. Um, I I I mean I don't know what other coaches are out there at the moment, but. I don't see, even if we do get a playoff win, even if we do go somewhere in the playoffs, I don't see Marvin Lewis staying after this year. It's always been that he's been kind of like the the canary in the mine, that he's been at the forefront of everything, but not really offering anything to kind of be either way. Um, But I I think he's mentally checked out this year and and I think he, he wants out himself. Can we just cut this podcast short and say, no, 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 no wait, wait, no, let no, me no. cut it here. I've been sitting with Paul, we're having a lovely conversation about the NFL, and Paul is getting messages on OKCupid, and he's trying to reply to them on this podcast. I'm like, not trying to reply to them, I'm trying to hide them from Nathan, because I know exactly what he's going to say. <laughs> the message is from a nice lady called Betsy. So Betsy, if you're out there tonight, Paul's having a lovely podcast, we're talking Marvin Lewis, he's a great guy, good luck. Thanks for that, uh, Nathan. And you can't be doing swiftly. that, Paul. It's a professional affair, this is. <laughs> Look, I'm, I, I had stats. Look, I've got a stat pulled up on my email saying, Andy Dalton, <laughs> since the coordinator change, 18 TDs, four picks, 104.1 rate. Right. QB, anyway, whatever. We'll matter. get back on topic. Bill Laser, quick, quick bit. Jamie, what do you think about Bill Laser? I don't think he's good enough, but he's better than what came before. Um, if Hugh gets fired in Cleveland, I want Hugh back. As do, OC, do, do you actually though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What as um, though, Jamie? As, as offensive coordinator or head coach? Yeah, as as as, as offensive coordinator, not as head coach. He's he's, he's a terrible head coach. Yeah. But um, as an offensive coordinator, he was he was a genius. There was kind of that that level of anything could happen with him. He had people who shouldn't be throwing the ball, throwing the ball. He had three offensive linemen lined up at wide receiver. God knows he had all sorts going on. I, I love you as an offensive mind. Yeah, and he's got he's that crazy energy, hasn't he, that uh, the team seems to feed off. And I don't think, I mean, for me, the jury's still out with Laser. He's definitely better than Zampezi. Um, and, you know, the stats, as I just tried to read it out before Nathan rudely interrupts me, <laughs> um, the stats bear that in mind. You know, Dalton has been much improved. He's still not perfect, but... You know, and the offense certainly has has been far from perfect. In fact, in some cases, it's been historically bad. But he has been better than Zampezi, I think. Um, um, Drew's out for me. Laser, I think. I've said this in my. I, I put a blog post on the Bengals UK thing earlier this year, and the thing with Bill Laser, like, I don't understand where that name came from. 
I mean, it's an internal Probably hiring. Probably his mum and dad, wasn't it? <laughs> 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 it's, it's, I, I get it from an internal point of view, but there's not really any way you can say that that hiring is the best man for the job. And, I mean, you might know him personally and you might think he's capable of doing the job, but it's a fierce competitive business. And if you're offering people Andy Dalton, AJ Green, Tyler Eifert, um, a first-round pick in John Ross... You're not offering them the 49ers offense or the Browns offense. That job is like covetable. People are interested in it. Like people like externally are going to put CVs in. There's going to be some serious interest. I don't understand why you're giving it to a guy that was fired after less than a year for being an offensive coordinator in Miami, who is then your quarterback's coach, who is quarterback, has then had his worst two games and previous season he's ever had. How do you deserve a promotion out of being a quarterback? So if Dalton was playing unbelievably and the run game, the line, and the receivers were the problem, maybe. But this guy's a quarterback coach. It's his job. Dalton's playing badly. How do you deserve a promotion? If I got a promotion and my side of the business was floundering, it just doesn't make sense to me. And the offense isn't any better. You've not got the talent there. To me... And it's difficult to fire him because you've kind of thrown him in a shitstorm two games into the season that he didn't expect. So I, I, I give credit to him for that, that he's just had to take it on. I think but, I think he was a quick fix, wasn't he? Because yeah, I think that the problem... Are, and fair enough, he's, he's got experience as, as an OC, so fair enough. Not, you know, he, he had a mixed time in Miami, yeah. but um, I, I, I couldn't really... Fo- the, the problem to me was that they didn't see... Zampezi wasn't doing a good job in the off season and decided to make a change then Great because point. then suddenly you're into the season. We started off like I mean I don't know what we started off like. That opening loss to Baltimore was just absolutely crushing. Do you know what I mean? And um, so you know what I mean. It's it's why make the change after two games when you could see the offensive struggle? Not only that, you could see the offensive struggling last season, but I yeah, think yeah. the difference with last season is that they had Eifert and Green injured, so they t- had two ready-made excuses. So people yeah. were saying, 100%. oh, you know, it's not necessarily Zampezi, it's because we haven't got Eifert in the red zone. It's not necessarily Zampezi because we haven't got AJ for like a quarter of the season. Yeah, yeah. Um but speaking of sackings today, what well, I just wanted to just go off the Bengals topic a little bit and talk about Eli Manning because that that I mean that was kind of like Sean McDermott, Tyrod Taylor style, wasn't it? Uh, he's, Eli's benching today. Apparently, I'm, I'm going to read this out. Sunday will mark four thousand seven hundred and sixty-seven days since a quarterback not named Eli Manning will start a game for the Giants since the start of Manning's streak. Every other team in the NFL has utilised at least three starting quarterbacks and every other team in the NFC East has utilised at least ten. That's a crazy stat, isn't it? It's the same amount of time as well that Paul hasn't had a message back on OKCupid. So he's, looking, <laughs> he's looking rather perky on this podcast after getting that message back. I'm slightly disappointed now. I, I think she's gone off me. Jamie, tell us about Eli Manning. What are you saying? Well... I mean, I kind of get uh, the Giants' position that they want to have a little look at, at the younger guys, but then you look at the younger guys and you've got Geno Smith there, and Geno Smith has already proved that he, he's not very good. Eli has won them two Super Bowls. He's played for them for about 15 years now. 
And I just think he deserves years. better. Is that yeah. how long it's been? Is well, it 15, 15 years? years? That's incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, he had a great oh, career. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he's had a fantastic career. He's won two Super Bowls. I mean, they, I mean, there always comes a time in anyone's career, right, where they have to kind of realise they have to... Have, I saw a, a bit of film of him being interviewed in their locker room and he was pretty much crying his eyes out. Do you know what I mean? Well, not crying his eyes out, that's probably a bit too strong, but he was choking back the tears. Mm. And I don't know, I mean, has he been that bad? And also getting benched for Geno Smith, the ignominy of that is I, I think the situation is, if, if you have a coach like Tom Coughlin, who's an established coach, who has won a Super Bowl and he's got some credibility behind him and he's benching Eli Manning, you may be, because the guy's a credible coach, given the benefit of the doubt, Ben McAdoo... He's done. You know he's done. You know that when black, what, what do they call it in the NFL? What, what's what, what's it in the NFL when they all the coaches all get fired on the money? Black Monday, black isn't it? Yeah. yeah, Black Monday. Ben McAdoo's gone. So why is he making that decision? Like Eli Manning. I mean, Eli Manning's a bit like Dalton. Yeah, he's a middle of the pack quarterback talent wise. That with a good cast. I mean, Odell Beckham's injured. Sterling Shepard was out for a while. Their offensive lines as bad as ours. Eli Manning's won two Super Bowls. Not even one, not even got you to the playoffs. He's won two of them. Like, yeah, he's not great, but like, the fact that you can literally justify Geno Smith, what do you think he's going to do? You think he's going to win you five more? Why, why would there ever be a thought process to bring in Geno Smith and, and I quote, see what you've got? Mm. Like, and it's not like they've got, like, say, a Patrick Mahomes waiting in the in No, the wings. exactly. Exactly. Got exactly. Geno Smith. Exactly. You know, Patrick Mahomes, maybe you give him a chance to see what you've got. But Geno Smith's been in the league for five years. He's a turnover machine. He might be a competent backup. He might even be a bad starter. But Eli Manning is obviously any. NFL fan was he's better quarterback. It's no doubt. Maybe Alex Smith to New York Giants next year then, well, or maybe AJ McCarron to New York Giants. What about what about um, Eli Manning? Where does he go? I think I don't know. I think with Browns. <laughs> I think he would take. I think he would take you if you rocked up at, uh, <laughs> at Cleveland Stadium and asked for a game. At well, the moment. You know. So we're we're drawing to the close of this first ever Bengals UK podcast. Um, any other business? How did you guys celebrate Thanksgiving? I mean, is that? I mean, it seems to be getting more popular over here. But is it? Did you? I mean, you've got an American fiance, so I guess that was well, you had to, right? I have adopted Thanksgiving for the last three or four years as a fantastic holiday. Right. I mean, it, what more could you want? Thursday, nothing's really going on. It's November. You come home. You have a massive meal and you get, you get, we had this year, we had about six friends around. We had a beautiful meal, beers. We've got the NFL on. It's so, it's just, a, it's a really great social occasion. I mean, I've been, I've been fortunate enough to be in the US a few years for it and, you know, spent time with the family and, you know, Rosie's family in the US. And, and it's, it's just a really fun, nice event. And, if you drill down to these events, I mean, not that I'm celebrating it for the for the reason that they celebrate it, I guess, but they're just great time to spend with friends and family. It's a really nice, fun event, and the American football's on, the food's unreal, the beer's flying, like, it is just a great event, and I think it's only going to get bigger in the UK with the more people coming over from the US and people just kind of adopting it. 
because we, we, we do like to adopt the US traditions. Yes, we do. Now, what about you, Jamie? I can imagine you up in Manchester on your sofa, sitting in your pants, <laughs> shoveling ben and, thought. ben and Jerry's into your mouth, watching <laughs> Bloody hell. Watching AJ McCarron highlight reel over and over again. Do you do you celebrate? Is that true? Because that's what I do for Thanksgiving, to be honest. No, no, that, that, that's, that's pretty much Bob on. Um, it wasn't Ben and Jerry's, it was a, it was a <laughs> co-op. Um, um, band. They're pretty curry. good. Um, but uh, no, it was. I mean, I, I watched the football, got some beer in for the football, but really didn't didn't do anything special. It was just a, a sort of come home from work, still knackered from work, and then go on from that. Jamie, what's your poison? What's your beer? What's my beer? Yeah. Oh God, I like um, I like strong Belgian stuff. I like uh, quack, quack, um, the eight and a half percent stuff. Wow, Duvel. Duvel, that sort of that sort of sort of the lightning fuel, the the loopy juice. I love it. <laughs> what about a bit of bruzot? I've not had that before. I have to um, yeah, nice, get onto then. it. Bit of Bengals UK beer chat at the end. I know. Let's, yeah. I think I think that's a good time to sign off. Isn't it? Well, um, thank you very much for listening, everyone, uh, all three of you. Um, we'll, we'll be back. I hope we've got one of three viewers. Probably. Well, you know, um, we'll see. Um, we are. I think we might be back next uh, week, next Tuesday, maybe, to dissect the Pittsburgh game. Uh, final word from you, Nathan, about the Pittsburgh game. One of the biggest games. We've Thank ever you had. very much. Yeah. <laughs> one of one of the biggest games we've ever had, and I'm gonna 100. I hope you boys are staying up for it. Jamie, are you staying up? Yeah, I'm staying up. It gives me an excuse for a day off work anyway. So, Paul, you staying well. up? Yeah, I'm gonna go for it. It is one of like. We will probably lose, but if we win, it'll be, I'm not going to swear, it'll be absolutely massive. And we've just got to do it. it, it it's it's huge because you the NFL's a crazy game. If we win it, you're in. Like, you never, ever know. So my, I'm cautiously, cautiously optimistic slash positive. But I, you know, like the Bengals are the sort of team that they will get you hard but not finish you off. So you never know. <laughs> I don't quite know what to I'm say about it. The Bengals will get you hard but not finish you off. You yeah, and it's true, though. You, it know it's true. True. you know it's true. I do know it's true. <laughs> I don't think I can follow that up, really. Um, join us next week uh, if you want to be uh, in some sort of Cincinnati Bengals fan networking group, uh, support group, because it could turn out like 2015 again. Or not, who knows? They might pull off an amazing victory. Jamie, thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Good night to you. Cheers, Jamie. Good night to all. And good night to you, Nathan. Good night, Paul. Cheers, Sam. All right, and we'll speak to you next week. Let's go. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.